Takes is a podcast from BCA Research, informing investors with straightforward, actionable analysis of macro and market events. Hi there, and welcome to the Quick Takes podcast. I'm your host, Rakaya Ibrahim, strategist at BCA Research. The Q1 U.S. earnings season is nearing its end. By late last week, 92% of the S&P 500 companies had reported their earnings for Q1 2023. These earnings results are, of course, useful in informing investors on how the current macroeconomic context, which is dominated by tight monetary policy and elevated but falling inflation, is affecting variables such as revenue, earnings, and profit margins. So this week, I caught up with my colleague Irene Tunkel to get her takeaways on the results and her outlook for the future. Irene heads up BCA Research's U.S. Equity Strategy Service. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today, Irene. It's always great to catch up with you. Hi, Rokaya. Good morning. Always good talking to you. So, Irene, according to the latest fact set data we have from May 12th, year-over-year earnings growth for the S&P 500 in the first quarter of 2023 is minus 2.5%. Now, there's good news and bad news. Uh, The good news is that it is not as bad as the 6.7% decline that was expected for Q1 on March 31st, just ahead of the earnings season. In fact, 78% of the S&P 500 companies have reported a positive earnings surprise, which is above the 10-year average of 73%. The bad news, on the other hand, is that this is the second straight quarter that the index reported an earnings decline. Now, what's interesting is that the equity reaction among the companies that have reported positive earnings surprises has been more muted than in the past, and the companies that have reported negative EPS surprises have seen a larger price decrease than average. So my question here is, why aren't equities benefiting from the earnings surprise? Uh, And does that suggest that investors are more focused on the bad news, the fact that the earnings declined, rather than the good news or the fact that they didn't decline as much as analysts had anticipated? I think it's an excellent question, and I was looking at it myself because I think that this is probably at the core of this earnings season. And I think that my explanation is that a lot of good news has been actually priced in. If you look at this, you know, 7.5% or return of the S&P 500 year to date, it's all down to multiple expansion. Obviously, we did not have much of earnings growth this year, and yet the market managed to go up. So I think that the market priced in much of this good news. And so when companies, you know, were giving us positive surprises, investors were going, yeah, aha, uh-huh, that's what we expected. And it's already priced in. I think it's a little more tricky with companies that missed expectations because the penalty was brutal. I look at the numbers from Foxet, price action was minus 4% compared to normal, you know, when companies go down 2% if they miss. So misses were really, really penalized. Expectations have been set up fairly high. The S&P 500 is trading, you know, above 18 times forward earnings, uh, which is above the 10-year average, which is much above the 10-year average if we exclude, you know, if we look just at the decade between 2010 and 2020 when interest rates were much lower. So by all means, you know, no matter how we look at the sort of economic outlook or earnings outlook, the S&P 500 appears expensive. And there could be another sort of hypothesis that maybe, you know, the investors did not reward, you know, good news and positive sort of uh, earnings surprise because maybe the company said something that upset investors. So let's say, you know, this quarter was good, but then the companies would be, you know, guiding lower. 
that was not the case either because the number of companies that guided down to guided up is 1.5. For Q1, that number was three to one. So clearly, you know, in terms of news and guidance, it wasn't really a bad quarter. And, you know, when I think about guidance, that takes me to another point. Going into this reporting season, three times more companies guided lower than guided up, which means that the bar was set lower. It was much easier to clear. And again, if the bar is easy to clear, why reward that? And on that point about guidance, so the Fed has now hiked interest rates by 500 basis points in the cycle. This may or may not be the last rate hike of the cycle, the one that we saw in May. But regardless, it's been a very aggressive rate tightening campaign. And to the extent that the objective of raising interest rates is ultimately to dampen inflation by reducing demand so that it's back in line with supply, there will, of course, be sales growth implications of the Fed's tightening policy. So what have you heard from the guidance in terms of how this monetary tightening is impacting corporate profitability? Are there certain sectors or industries that are more vulnerable to the current macroeconomic headwinds? Um, I would step back and say that the effect of rate hikes are already in the data. When we look at sales growth for, I think, past two quarters, it's somewhere in a very low single digits, like 2% year on year. I think this quarter it was three and a half percent year on year compared to first quarter of 2022. And although it looks like sales growth is positive and, you know, you can say that, you know, companies are able to grow their revenues. In fact, if you look at it in real terms, it's actually contracting. So basically, company sales are not keeping up with the pace of inflation because everything is more expensive, but they are not selling enough. So they're not keeping in line with the ability to sell. So I think that we already see a widespread effect of tighter monetary policy on performance of the companies. So basically, we see a downward pressure on sales, costs remain high, and you know margins are under pressure. And again, not answering your question, but I think it's an important point to bring up. This particular quarter, net profit margins have ticked up, which is considered to be a major positive. But still more companies seeing sort of consecutive um, quarters of margins coming down, you know, of their peak and sort of lower on a quarter on quarter basis than companies that see sort of improvements in their margins. And all of these points we will be covering in our weekly report that we are writing now, uh, where we sort of discuss the earnings season. So I think that the effect of the monetary policy is actually widespread. And also there was lots of idiosyncratic numbers in what we have seen in terms of uh, this reporting season. So for example, Amazon has swung from negative profitability to positive profitability. And in principle, you cannot really calculate, you know, earnings growth rate if you go from negative to positive. But the way that the companies like Faxet and Ibis calculate earnings growth for the sector, for the market, they actually add up all the earnings and kind of into a bucket and divide to kind of that bucket a year ago. And so if Amazon is not taking out sort of minus earnings you know, from that bucket, the bucket immediately becomes bigger. And so large companies that actually delivered, you know, strong results to swing from negative to positive, like airlines, like Delta or United or some other companies in the index, it immediately kind of boosts the total. So in the numbers that we see, there are lots of sort of idiosyncratic sort of influences that are taking place, but we do still see a earnings contraction. Of course, it's less than we expected. So all of that, of course, is happening because of the effects of monetary policy. Where we see it specifically in the sectors is, of course, sectors that are more sensitive to uh, interest rates, 
like banks, like real estate. Real estate has negative earnings growth. Banks are still positive and they expect it to be positive. But if you hear what you know the management teams are saying, even from the big banks like JP Morgan, they're all sort of pessimistic. They continue to talk about you know recession and more difficult macroeconomic conditions. And generally, if you think about you know what companies are saying, the picture is extremely mixed. But quite a few companies are saying that, you know, they have don't have certainty, they're worried about, you know, outlook. So certainly uh, sentiment has improved from quarters, uh, you know, ago. And that's a positive for equities because, you know, equities move on the margin. But again, much of that optimism has been priced in and it's just not enough impetus to take the market sort of forward without any additional news. You mentioned that the companies are worried about the outlook. Now, according to the bottom-up EPS estimates from FactSet, the EPS growth contraction is expected to deepen in the second quarter before recovering in the second half of the year. So, for example, analysts are projecting earnings to decline by 6.3% in Q2 before a recovery to marginal growth of 0.7% in Q3, followed by 8.1% in Q4. Now, what are your expectations in terms of when the profits recession will end? And do you agree with these bottom-up estimates? To be honest, um, I think I'm a little bit sort of perplexed with these numbers because these numbers of earnings recovery into the back end of the year in conflict with economic consensus is projecting because, you know, if you look at like Bloomberg consensus GDP forecast, GDP is expected to contract into the year end. So it's almost like one or the other, either profits recover or, you know, GDP doesn't contract. And so far we have so many different conflicting signals in the market. But my problem with the numbers that, you know, analysts are projecting and rebound into the back end of the year, I'm trying to find the catalyst for this rebound. Interest rates remain at, you know, above 5%. I am in the camp that the Fed will be holding rates higher for longer. I'm in the camp that monetary conditions are tightening, banks uh lending less consumers are spending away their excess savings so it's very hard for me to see a catalyst for earnings rebound and in terms of easier comparables i don't think that comparables are that easy because you know middle of last year we still had very strong earnings growth so i'm struggling to find what can be sort of a catalyst for rebound clearly so far the companies have navigated the environment very well and as mark zuckerberg has put it it was a year of efficiency so cost cutting, you know, trying to preserve their profitability, preserve their margins. So far that has worked. Investors were rewarding companies for their cost cutting efforts, but you cannot cut your cost to the bone. So really you get into the period of sustained sort of profitability when you're able to grow your top line. And just as we discussed, top line is under pressure because the whole objective of what the Fed is doing is to dampen demand to fight inflation. So if we didn't have this sort of pesky problem of inflation and the Fed sort of still campaigning sort of uh, and watching the data and still laser focused on inflation, I would say, you know, things probably will get better. But the thing is that if we do have strong demand, it's very hard to see how inflation will be coming down, very hard to see how the Fed will cut rates or generally maybe even pause because then you know if inflation is not coming down at the speed that you know the fed wants it to come down they may hike rates again so there are lots of headwinds from the sort of monetary policy standpoint and so i really would be focused on demand more than anything so the focus is on margins the focus is on the top line and i'm not awfully optimistic to be honest 
Well, thanks a lot for your comments today, Irene. Thanks for joining me and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you, Rukai. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Quick Takes podcast. We'll be bringing you weekly quick takes with BCA strategists on a range of macro and market topics. Stay tuned for next week's episode.